Welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, I'm glad you've tuned in. After more than six decades as a retail staple here in Michigan and throughout the Midwest, Art Van Furniture is closing all of its 300-plus stores. The Warren-based retailer Sun Demise has shocked a lot of people here in Southeast Michigan, but in some ways, it's not all that surprising. The company is saddled with debt, and it has failed to effectively compete with the surge of online retailers like Wayfair and Amazon. So what does this signal for other retailers in Michigan? And what does it signal for other retailers around the country? Are we seeing a seismic shift in the way that retail gets done in this country? That's where we want to begin the conversation today. And we especially want to hear from you about what you make of Art Van Furniture closing. Are you sad to see this local retail giant go? Uh, When you shop for things like furniture, are you going online more than you're going into showrooms and call and tell us your memories of Art Van. I think for lots of us here in Southeast Michigan, it's more than just a retail outlet. I mean, it is a cultural guidepost in some ways. Uh, Many people, I believe, bought their first beds or their first couches from Art Van. Call and tell us about those experiences and what you might miss about the retailer when it's gone. As always, the number on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313- 577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there. Go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll try to work you into the conversation. Joining us now to talk about what's going on with Art Van and in the retail world is Dustin Walsh. He has been covering this story for Crane's Detroit business. Dustin, welcome back to Detroit Today. Thanks, Stephen. So let's start with why Art Van is going out of business. What happened? Uh, well, it's it's a confluence of a lot of events, right? So, you know, if we look at the retail space, obviously we have the online shopping of, of Wayfair, Amazon, and other outlets that are kind of transitioning how particularly younger shoppers buy furniture. Um, or Ikea, for instance, where they can go in and just get it cheaper and, and build it yourself for 14 hours later. Um, but but what's happening is, is, is more than just that. So it's it's that aspect of it. We also see what, what Art Van and other retailers have done with the mattress selection, right? They've removed mattresses from the stores and built a lot of real estate, pure sleep, uh, in Art Van's case, everywhere. Um, and so there's a little aspect of, of if you walk into a, a, an Art Van furniture, uh, you know, 15, 20 years ago to buy a mattress, you might also realize you need um, maybe a credenza in your in your bedroom, or or a a bookshelf, or whatever it may be. So it's you know you're, they're losing some of that foot traffic from from people buying mattresses. Um, and I think an important stat about that mattress industry is in 2018 there were more mattress stores in the United States than McDonald's. Wow. Uh, you know, which you, you buy a mattress what every 10 to to, to 15 years maybe. Sure. Um, and so, so there was a little bit of that aspect of a ramp up, and also the private equity ownership came in um, and tried to basically do what private equity does, which is is strip cost and try to make things as efficiently efficient as possible um, at a time of transition um, when the business maybe was not as stable as it used to be. Um, and so it was kind of a perfect storm of, of things that happened, and uh, the collapse was really rapid. So that's the surprising part. So so let's talk about the economic effect here in Southeast Michigan. Lots of people work for Art Van. That's right. What What's going to happen to them? Have they talked about what they plan to do for employees? Uh, also, Art Van is a major sponsor of 
the Thanksgiving Day Parade right. here in Southeast Michigan. And that was that was one of our first calls yesterday is to figure out what would happen with the parade and how much money they were on the hook for. We were not able to get a total, uh, but the, the parade sponsor did say, or sorry, the, the parade company did say that uh, losing Art Van as the title sponsor would not uh, impact, and they believe that there are other people that will step up to to maintain the parade. So, so that aspect is kind of pushed off um, the, the side of it. And as far as the employees go, yes, it's it's thousands of employees. Um, Art Van has been mum about all of this um, outside of a statement yesterday, um, but did not mention what's going on with employees. I did get a text yesterday from a very large auto dealership asking for contact information for Art Van Corporate because they wanted to see if they could hire some of these uh, mm. sales employees. So um, it's really going to depend on our economy and, and how well they can um, shift these employees to to other positions. Yeah. One of the things that is a little puzzling about this to me is that furniture seems different in the way that people buy it than lots of other things that have become <clears throat> really easy to buy online, right? I don't have a problem buying paper towels online. I don't have a, bu- a problem buying soap online. But a sofa or a mattress, I want to have a tactile uh, sort of experience with before I before I purchase it. So so it seems to me like furniture stores in particular might have been able to take advantage of you know the online world, but but also maintain that physical space because people would want it. So so where did Art Fan? Go wrong, right? And so here's the here. That's the weird dynamic of, of a lot of things we're seeing in the retail space is the high end furniture. Sorry, high end anything, particularly in this case, furniture. So your pottery barns, your they do relatively well because people establish it as a very high end brand, and they're willing to pay that extra money to get it. Where Art Van played in the in the really the everyman's furniture, right? The everyman couch, that real middle class point <laughs> where where people would go and maybe they buy their first home, you know, and they have some disposable income, so then they go get a new mattress, a new couch. That was where Art Van historically played. That has been hollowed out. So so a lot of what retail has been is the high end and the very commoditized low end. Hmm. And so Art Van was in this middle space. You may always call it the, the hollowing out of the middle class. That is sort of where they where they lie. And so when the private equity came in, their aspect was to choose which side of that coin to be on. And from what I can tell, from what I've heard, is they chose to try to compete on the high end. And so they wanted to push their prices higher, push their quality of the products higher, and make them compete with the pottery barns, who, by the way, were also lowering prices in this competitive market. Um, but the issue there was Art Van was never associated with that high-end name brand. It was the Everyman's Couch. Hmm. Um, and so so that really caused um, you know some issues with foot traffic. Yeah. My guest is Dustin Walsh. He's been covering the demise of Art Van Furniture for Crane's Detroit Business. We're talking about what happened to Art Van and what's happening to retail. Are there other kinds of retail that are vulnerable to the shift by consumers to buying things online instead of going into stores uh, and buying them there. Uh, We would really love to hear from you, the listeners, about what you think of Art Van Furniture Closing, an iconic brand here in Southeast Michigan. One of the things that I think for lots of us who have spent most of our life living here, it's kind of a touchstone. It's kind of a, a part of our memories of growing up here, of becoming adults and and doing more adult things like buying furniture. Uh, tell us if you're sad to see this local retail giant go away. Uh, and when you're shopping for things like furniture these days, are you going to stores like Art Van where you can sit on the couch or lie down on the mattress, or are you just scrolling through things on your web browser and picking them that way? Tell us 
what that experience is like and why you prefer to do it that way rather than going to the stores. Uh, also, give us a call and tell us about your memories of Art Van. Uh, did you buy your first house and fill that house with furniture from Art Van? Uh, did you go away to college and maybe buy a couch that uh, went into your dorm room or to your apartment uh, from Art Van? Uh, as always, the number here on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today and we'll work you into the conversation. Uh, Dustin, let's put this in the in the context of other retail. Retail is changing dramatically in this country, not just here in Southeast Michigan and not just with furniture. Uh, is this a harbinger of real danger to brick and mortar retail in this country? I, I think it's, 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 it's not that clear yet. I mean, obviously, I think there's certain sectors that are, that are very vulnerable. Um, this furniture, Gardner White, for instance, that aspect, those are very vulnerable companies right now because of this radical shift. But if you look at really what brands are making it, you know, Amazon doesn't make any money um, by selling you products online. Um, all their money is in the back-end server business. Um, I don't even think they break even, in fact, by operating their online store. Hmm. Um, so if you, if you look at anything that carries inventory is really kind of where the product, you know, where, where the, the danger zone is. So if you're carrying a lot of inventory, um, there are just systems that have streamlined to really make this more efficient. Um, and we're seeing a lot of these stores, like, like a Warby Parker for glasses or Bonobos for clothes uh, here in downtown Detroit, where you can go in and you can kind of get your selection, you can get that tactile feel, but then the rest of the, the, the entire rest of the process happens online. You know, they they pretty much fill out an order for you and send it to you. Um, so we're seeing ways to basically take out middlemen throughout the supply chain. Those are the ones that the ones that have these big supply chains and these big arduous things where they're shipping products in Art Van's case all the way from China. You know, we're seeing those being really vulnerable. Yeah, um, the new kinds of retailers online like Wayfair, sure. I, and I get a lot of solicitations from Wayfair in my Facebook feed mm -hmm. and 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 other social media. Are they doing well? Are they are they really making a lot of money by doing it strictly online? So so Wayfair again is is basically a, the middleman, right? They're offering um, the middleman service. So so they they do quite well. But if you look at the ones specifically, if we're talking um, furniture and, and bedding, if we look at like a Casper, Casper does very poorly, even though it is literally everywhere. Hmm. Um, you can now go to Target and get Casper. Um, so that kind of proves that yes, they have to be in brick and mortar to really succeed. Uh, because as the big joke with Casper was that they pay a thousand dollars, or sorry, they they buy a mattress for four hundred dollars to manufacture, um, and then you buy it for a thousand dollars, but then they spend eight hundred dollars on advertising, right? So they're losing money in that scenario. It's all a marketing play. Um, so they've realized to really make a go at it, they have to be in brick and mortar. So that's this weird transition space we're in. And, and you had mentioned earlier about um, the tactile feel of that. I think what we're seeing, particularly in the younger generations, is they rely on their peers, right? So someone orders a rug on Wayfair, and then they wait for the reviews to see it. Okay, this 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 rug really felt great. They're really relying more on that kind of you know hive mentality of reviews more than previous generations that had to go in and feel it themselves. Mm -hmm. Again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. Call and tell us what you're thinking about the demise of Art Van Furniture and the changing face of retail, uh, not just here in Southeast Michigan, but all over the country. Let's go to Lori in Detroit. Lori, what's on your mind? 
I was one of those consumers that started with Art Ben years and years ago. Um, I had my first good job, went to Art Ben, bought an apartment full of furniture, got married. We encompassed our house with our van furniture. <laughs> we started noticing a slight decline in customer service. My daughter, who's now graduating from MSU, we bought furniture throughout um, her time up there. And our last experience with them was so horrible, the customer service. And I said to them when I made a complaint, you know, we can shop online and get better customer service for our money. You guys are going to go out of business based on that. You know, we don't have to come into a store to be treated badly. Hmm. And um, here we are today. Wow, Lori, that's a really, I mean, that's a really unfortunate story. But, but Dustin, I think that gets to the demands, I guess, that people have when they do go to brick-and-mortar retail, maybe those expectations went up in ways that uh, places like Art Van didn't, didn't, didn't predict. In other words, if I'm going to go to the store and interact with the salesperson and buy in person, maybe my expectation is that uh, this would be this exceptional experience and maybe they couldn't keep up with it. Right, and there, there's a disparity there, right? A, you know, a traditional business, right? It was, it was always, it, it was always more difficult, right, to to go get Art Van or any other retailer that's a retail brick and mortar establishment to basically accommodate what you want, right? Where where places like Amazon, if your Amazon package doesn't get delivered within the hour you expect it, you can literally call them or uh, chat with them online, and they will refund your money that day, that second. Um, so we've our, our expectations of the retail experience, particularly because of these behemoths that have these these um, the, the, these um, these architecture of of customer service that is just vastly superior at the moment to to um, some of the brick and mortars that just structurally have to take more time to accomplish things um, has is really created that that expectation and raised the expectations of people shopping. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's go to Lola in Dearborn. Lola, welcome to the program. Hi, how are you? Uh, okay, I still have my red Chinese sofa, the love seat, and the <laughs> ornament chair, and that great big picture. But this is a plush sofa with the pillows made on it, and I can still sit on it. And I have played, you know, put something over it and laid on. It. I mean, it's still plush. So I've had it for about maybe about twenty-five years, but oh, wow. it's still beautiful. Wow. Wow. And so, Lola, now that uh, a place like Art Van is going away, does that change the way you think you'll be able to shop? I mean, if you had to replace this beautiful set that you have, would you go to a store to do it or would you do it online? Oh, no. I never do anything online. I have to sit down. <laughs> right? I, I am kind of the same way, Lola. I want to sit on the furniture before uh, before I buy it. Uh, so so I'm, I'm with you. But again... Where am I going to do that um, uh, increasingly here in in Southeast Michigan now that uh, now that Art Van uh, is gone? You know that that quality that she's talking about, uh, Dustin, is one of the things that I think people always did associate with with Art Van is that it wasn't just uh, local and locally owned, but that it was stuff that that you would have for a really long time. And I wonder if some of the stuff you buy now. Online or places like IKEA, is it, is it as durable? 
Right, and that's the that's the commoditization of, of a lot of the things we uh, retail. I mean, I think clothing is an is a really good aspect of that. There's really high end clothing, really expensive clothing, and it's all about can you convince people that it's worthy of that. Um, you know, in, in where furniture hasn't really got that local aspect to it, right? Like we support our local breweries, we support our local um, this or that, but furniture never really got that way, particularly as younger generations. Um, uh, come about. The older generations definitely shopped at Art Van and these other places because they viewed it as this um, local institution and really one of the few places you could go because they were so big. Um, and, and yeah, so so the commoditization of this furniture is the people ordering online understand that their their tastes may change in six months or two years. And if that furniture needs to last for 10, it isn't, isn't as important. Um and I think it's really an age, it's not even necessarily an age gap. It's more of where you are in your life, right? As you get older and you're set and you're going to be in your house for the next 20 years, then you might start thinking about this. And it's, do I have the money to afford a Pottery Barn chair, an yeah. Ethan Allen chair? Um, again, it always all plays back to this like sort of, you know, quote unquote, hollowing out of the middle class. Yeah. Uh, let's go to Richard in Harper Woods. Richard, welcome to the show. Good morning. How are you? Good. How are you? Not too bad. You know, this is like that Casablanca movie where, you know, they say, oh, geez, I'm shocked, shocked. There's gambling going on here. <laughs> you know, Art, Art Van sold this place to make billions of dollars five minutes before he died. And the plan was all along that this private equity firm was going to, you know, take all the profits out of this thing and close it down. You know, when they said, hey, this is a great fit for Art Van so that it can grow, come on, we knew that wasn't the truth. You know, they don't tell me that, you know, this, this Internet was like, oh, my gosh, I'm shocked to see this Internet just all of a sudden appeared. <laughs> you know, all these guys know that you have to have to succeed in business today. you got to coordinate with the Internet. So, uh, you know, this is just the plan all along to take all the profits out of this. Who cares about the people losing their jobs? You know, they made money. That's the bottom line. Yeah. Richard, I really appreciate you calling and offering that perspective. Dustin, talk about the plan here. The family did sell the business to private equity. Mm-hmm. Private equity has a whole different set of expectations when they own something than, than maybe a family might. Was was this always kind of in the cards or at least lurking in the background, This the prospect of of closing it, and essentially, did they, you know, strip it for everything they could get out of it, and then just walk away from it? Right, and so I mean, private equity historically is always the villain in the room, um, and and it may be accurate in a lot of cases, particularly in retail. They have fared really badly at retail. They have not done well in the retail sector, um, particularly on things that have a lot of brick and mortar. Um, I tried to reach out to the private equity owners to see what sort of extraction um, they've got from it. They claim, uh, they, 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 they've talked to me, and they claim that they ha- they lost all of their money and all of the fund money, um, that they extracted no value out of this, um, that it was a total loss for them, and that their idea was never to for, for to extract money and just bail. Um, it's hard to, to, to make all that, that jibe exactly, but... Um, they just, when you come in, and this is a very difficult space, and Art Van Elslander was a marketing behemoth. Mm-hmm. I mean, so they come in and they see the marketing dollars, the marketing. Th- these are all the things that, that private equity is not associated with typically and want to get rid of. That's why you see private equity deal with a lot of things that aren't visible, right? In the manufacturing sector um, and other areas, they come in and they own these these companies that aren't visible, um, that don't rely on foot traffic, 
um, that are really on the back end of things. They're very good at that. They typically struggle in the in this retail space and have for a number of years. Uh, Payless Shoes, uh, Sears. Uh, you know, we, we've watched a lot of collapses um, that were involved with private equity. So, but it's really easy to point the finger at them. But again, it's they're only part of this entire story. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so I don't think placing all of the blame on them is necessarily appropriate, um, but certainly some of it. Yeah. Uh, let's go to Luke in Detroit. Luke, welcome to the hey show. Hey there. How's hey. it going? Good. How are you? Good. I wanted to specifically comment about, uh, you know, kind of the shift in age, you know, the shift of buyers who are, you know, that ultimately led to the decline of our fan. And it's so interesting to me because, so I'm still young. I'm 23 years old now, kind of maybe initially building that small collection of furniture. And, you know, as I grew up in comparison to my parents, I remember those times where we would go to Art Van and, you know, curate in that showroom itself Mm. an entire living room or something (laughs) like that. Whereas, you know, now um, when I begin to kind of build that collection, I look at it more as a curation from a variety of different places. So it's not so much the fact that I can go to a one-stop shop and get something. I almost find the idea of going to multiple places, both online, physical, and along in my travels or wherever that may be, kind of a more valuable experience overall. Wow. Wow. Luke, that's a really interesting point. I mean, and maybe that is a generational change, uh, you know, that the, the, the way people think of furniture and decorating has changed uh, in a way that cuts against Art Van's kind of one-size-fits-all uh, model. Uh, Dustin, is that something that's reflected in retail furniture generally? Well, I haven't looked at the data to support that, but I think, you know, I'm not the youngest man uh, around. I'm 39, but but I, I sort of understand <laughs> where that... young still, man. Well, hey, depends on how, how hard <laughs> you've lived. Right. But, um, yeah, you know, I, I think I tend to agree w- with Luke here, is that is that you, your options are vastly more infinite than they were in 1978 or 1980 or 1990. Um, you, he's right. You would go into Art Van and you would pick out an entire living room set that reflected, you know, some sort of continuity. Where now I think I, I'm the same way. I go into, you know, like, okay, I want, I want pictures from here from this artist that I want. I'm going to get the framing here. I, oh, here's this, you know, really cheap, cool, decorative thing we can put in our kitchen from Home Goods. Oh, here's this thing on Amazon. Oh, maybe I'll get this rug from Wayfair. These things didn't happen, right? You would go into Art Van and you'd pick out all of the above, um, mm-hmm. slap it on a credit card, um, you know, their credit card probably, and uh, pay it off over ten years or whatever it was, and um, you were done. Where now your your options are so much broader that that um, it does sort of take away the one stop shopping yeah. um, aspect of furniture and 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 home goods, really. Yeah, uh, we don't have time to take his call, but Thomas on the east side wants to know what my experience with Artvin was, because he said it seems like I have a soft spot for them. And he's absolutely right. And it really has to do with just having grown up here and Artvan being that very first idea of furniture, of a furniture store, of home, of how you make a home. Uh, that's where it all kind of started for me. And uh, it's really weird to see something like that that I have always thought of as part of our community here in Southeast Michigan, now on the verge uh, of, of going away. It's just, uh, it's it's a little jarring, I think. And, and I think there are a lot of people here who feel that way. Right. My first couch was a, was a, a terrible black leather couch from Art Van. <laughs> uh, my mother bought me in college. Um, but I also think it's important that just because Art Van is theoretically going away, 
I find it very difficult to believe that that name will not live on. Hmm. It is one of the most recognizable furniture brand names in the country, not just in Michigan. Um, so I, I, I'm sort of hopeful that something will come out of this um, hmm. that that may have that brand and that legacy live on in some way. Yeah. Okay, Dustin Walsh, uh, reporter for Crane's Detroit Business. Always great to have you here on Detroit Today. Thanks, Stephen. Up next, we're going to take a look back at Live Midtown, the Detroit subsidy package that was aimed at getting employees of three major institutions to move into the city when everyone else seemed like they were trying to get out. Stay with us on Detroit Today.